You're listening to Hot Takes with Brittany and Travis. Damn, these takes are hot. How? Hello, Bryn. Thanks for being on the podcast with us. So today we have Bryn, who's graduated from the University of Calgary with a bachelor's in nursing, and she's experienced now with working in preventative health nutrition and also with chemical peels, dermaplaning, laser resurfacing, body contouring, and Air Canada gold standard in neuromodulator and dermal fillers. <laughs> and so, Bryn, in your own words, can you tell us a bit about what first piqued your interest in the world of medical aesthetics? Oh, man. Well, you know, kind of growing up, I just loved helping people, making people smile, um, happy and just feel good about themselves. Uh, I went to an art school from grade like four to six. And, you know, it was just felt natural to be involved in art and, you know, letting your younger self just create what your imagination wanted to do. So yeah, the whole helping people creativity just came natural to me, but actually kind of peaked in grade 11, actually, um, at our school, we had that, you know, those Italy trips. And I think it was like about a week before our trip came, I got the biggest hit on my forehead and I was mortified because, <laughs> you know, you're going to be, you know, first time going overseas, you're going to be taking so many pictures with your closest friends and I'm just like oh man like the biggest it like right here so you know I'm just naturally picking at it it's bleeding it's oozing and it's like 10 times worse so yeah by this time I'm horrified and I'm like mom dad I need to get to see a dermatologist like yesterday pretty much so My dad knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a dermatologist and I get in like the next day, which is like fantastic. And, you know, that was kind of life changing for me because, you know, people dealing with like acne or, you know, other skin conditions, it can really affect like the way you feel about yourself and your confidence. And I mean, it's way worse for other people, but, you know, when you're in high school and you have a big zit on your face, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that whole appointment, it was, it kind of really peaked, you know, being involved, you know, beauty, skincare, and kind of thinking like, wow, I feel so good coming out of this appointment. Like this guy, like he knows his stuff. He, he can really help me and like, just make me feel better and just feel, you know, at ease that someone can kind of understand, you know, how you feel in that moment, you know? So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to be a dermatologist when I grow up. And, you know, now going to high, like later into high school, university applications are, you know, people peer or uh, your parents peer pressure you so hard. And you're like, you got to go, you got to go like, or you're just going to be a bum pretty much. So yeah, I, uh, I'm like, okay, dermatology. That's another like 12 years in school. I'm like, <laughs> I just finished 12 years. I'm like, I don't want to do another 12 years at all. So yeah, I decided, no, I got to figure out another way. So thinking about it, I'm like, okay, nursing. What can we do with nursing? So nursing appealed to me because, you know, you can travel for one. There's so many different specialties you can do. Um, and you know, there's always going to be a job in nursing, high COVID, like (laughs) we're always Mm -hmm. there. It's always there. So yeah, I just decided, okay, let's do this, get in. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I had no idea at the time cosmetic nursing was even a thing. Um, you know, I just thought it was just kind of a doctor assistant in a surgery. I was like, I don't really want to do that. I was thinking, okay, well maybe I just want to do emergency nursing. Like that looks cool on TV, you know, Grey's Anatomy. It's kind of like learn so many different skills. Um, I'm like, all right, so let's do that. So, um, you know, kind of learning about it in school. I'm like, 
there is no way that I want to do this. It is way too much pressure. It's, um, it's too fast paced. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't really do well under pressure that way, especially when someone's life's at hand. I'm like, no. So, you know, back to the drawing board. I'm like, okay, I have no idea what I want to do in nursing. I'm, I have one, you know, semester left. So I go into well baby clinic and, um, it was nice because, you know, I kind of work just with healthy babies essentially. And you just give vaccinations. Um, and weirdly enough, I really liked using a needle, um, but not on healthy babies, of course, (laughs) I broke my heart a little bit, but, uh, yeah, just like the skill of using a needle was really cool, but I don't know. Pediatrics was something I was thinking about, but ultimately I'm like, I just didn't feel passionate about it. So I guess it wasn't really until... I became more interested in when social media kind of comes up and then you see more, you know, beautiful women, influencers, you know, I think the, the Kardashians really kind of made injectables like um, a bigger thing for women. And uh, I was like, okay, what can I do to look more aesthetically pleasing? So I kind of looked into it and, you know, I decided to do my first Botox and filler treatment. And I uh, booked in with a nurse practitioner, and I had no idea nurses could do this. So I'm like, okay, if I have a nursing degree, I potentially can do this. So yeah, I did my appointment, and she was very thorough about everything and made me feel extremely comfortable. And I was obsessed after, and I was like, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. So yeah, I mean... It's kind of just all in stages and, you know, finding your passion and what you want to do. Um, obviously, for most people, it doesn't come right off the bat, especially at a high school. It's just like, I just need to go do something, study something. But it's just a process that takes time. And I'm glad that I found what I love to do. Yeah, it's interesting. When we interviewed Alex, like he kind of, we talked about similar things, like how you talked about your parents kind of like pushing you, like, you got to go to this. Like we had the exact yeah. same conversation, but it was interesting because Alex and Travis both were kind of like, oh, like you didn't really feel that. So it's interesting you bring that up because I mentioned I felt that as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and it's kind of nice how it like came full circle for you. Like you had that peaked interest and then you were kind of trying to figure it out and then it like has come back around. And yeah, like, just kind of happened. branched out. Yeah. Slow process, but we made it. <laughs> so with this this injection company now, Bryn, is that is that your full-time profession? Or are you still practicing as a nurse? Yeah. So, I mean, before COVID happened, I was with my um, clinic I worked at for preventative health. And it was amazing. It was, um, you know, something I really believed in, you know, really promoting healthy lifestyles before you go into critical care. Um, so I, I mean, I was really happy with that and I knew, but I knew I wanted to get into aesthetics. It's just, it was just never the right time. It was, you know, classes, courses can be super expensive, like thousands of dollars. And it's just a whole new nurse, nursing specialty that it's just, it takes time to learn and progress with. So yeah. And then, uh, so th- yeah, the preventive health clinic was a not-for-profit. So it was all funded by one person. So naturally, of course, during March, 2020, it permanently closes down after like, Oh no. Yeah. After like 11 years being in business. So yeah, it was a bit, uh, it was a really sad process, but you know, everything happens for a reason. And then I'm like, all right, so now this is a good time to kind of finally do what I want to do. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with, you know, how everything's kind of turned out. So could you walk us through what your typical client does right now? So if, if say, Brittany wanted to go get, you know, fill up her lips, like what is the normal process? Because I'm, I'm trying, I'm having a hard time visualizing what you do now and, and how much of your life it takes up. Is totally. it a full-time thing? Yeah, I mean, starting up as a nurse injector it's slow because, you know, you kind of have to build up your clients and your portfolio. 
Um, first time injectors, you're not going to get any clients. No one knows who you are. That's why, you know, I'm not a huge fan of social media. I, I was listening to your other podcasts and I was just like totally agreeing with you guys. Just like it takes up so much time, like so much screen time. <laughs> but the downside with this job is social media is like pretty much the only way to kind of promote yourself, build your brand. So you kind of have to be on it quite a bit, you know, to make the posts and show it's kind of essentially your portfolio. So people kind of can see, get to know you and see what you kind of do. So I guess the day in the life of a nurse injector. So Brittany wants to come in, get something done. I would, before the appointment, you know, email your consent form and your medical history form. Hopefully, Brittany is not breastfeeding at this point because then she can come in and get injectables. But yeah, so she would come in. We'd have a little consultation, you know, get to know her, what she kind of wants to do, what she's looking to do, um, and how she feels about herself. You know, give her a little mirror and see, okay, what bothers you? And so a lot of people kind of come in. They, you know, they're trying to frown. I can't really frown, but... uh, (laughs) You know, those lines bother them. It's really like, you know, especially on since COVID happened, everyone sees themselves through video and they can, you know, you're naturally looking at yourself all the time. So people are kind of, you know, looking down, they see they have like these double chins, they're developing frown lines, they look tired, angry, you know, emotional side of it. And so I don't like they point to this, I don't like this, I don't like this. And then you go, okay. So you kind of even basis of what uh, fillers are, what Botox is. And, you know, in an appointment, you, as a, you know, physician, you don't really say you need this, you need this, you need this. It's not really the way to go about it. Um, I believe that, I mean, obviously you can make a suggestion, a very nice suggestion of what they could improve on. Um, but ultimately, it's kind of up to the clients, you know, help them, you know, figure out what their top priorities are and then develop a plan, go from there. Because it's aesthetics is a process. It's not a kind of an one treatment type of thing. Yeah, I remember I had Botox and a little bit of filler, like, oh my gosh, so long ago. I think it was 22 or 23. And I remember like going in and it was like very similar like you're describing, like give me the mirror, like what don't you like? And I was like, Oh, I want this, this, and this. And then the doctor who I was doing it with, he was like, Well, you're twenty two, so we're not gonna do that. And like <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> very kind of you dang Brit. I know, but I was like, it's all about the preventative. <laughs> Catch oh, those yeah. wrinkles early. Yeah. So that's why like I kind of went with. And then I found like too, like you mentioning like how before like you didn't know that nurse nurses could perform these procedures. Like I was kind of under the same like you almost have like this weird stigma, like going to I'm like, oh man, like I want a doctor, like it's my face. Like you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think it's so great now. Like it's a lot more like with like you said, like promotion and like these nurses, like kind of taking that assertiveness and being able to promote themselves and their business is so great. Cause I feel like there's still that kind of like segue. It's like, you want a doctor, not a nurse when like nurses are more than qualified to be able to do these mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a pretty evolutionary thing for, you know, nurses in general, just cause there's a huge hospital burnout rate with, you know, first-year nurses, 10-year nurses, and everyone in between. It's just hospital nursing, it didn't really appeal to me. I just, I didn't really like the environment so much. It was, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve, so it was hard to see sadness and suffering every day. And, you know, I like to, you know, promote happiness and, you know, make people feel good about themselves and, you know, be able to do that, you know, with my nursing degree and just kind of combine that um, science and art, you know, and just kind of make it one. It's just, it's pretty cool. It's something that I never thought that I would be doing, you know, but I'm extremely happy with, you know, 
where I'm at right now. And it's a, it's a process. It's expensive process, but you know, invest in yourself and you'll, you'll get the return. Love that advice, Bryn. Uh, I just wanted to ask you, so I'm coming from a place of not knowing anything about Botox or fillers or injections. So is, is there some science that backs up that it is actually preventative? Is this a, a real phenomenon and is it worthwhile for people our age to maybe start looking into it more seriously? Um, and can you just explain like what what would a normal person get? Like what is the difference between Botox and a filler? Okay, totally. Yeah. So Botox is actually just a brand name for neuromodulators. Brittany, you're having trouble saying that. I know, I was. I was like, <laughs> so neuromodulators are a form of a botulinum toxin. So they work on the muscles to relax them. And the, they're only temporary. They only last three to four months on average. Um, so yeah, they're not exactly a filler because a lot of people think like, you know, they point to someone, oh, that person has too much filler when they're probably talking about Botox. Botox is just a small little vial. It's essentially micro um, toxin injections. So they're like micro droplets. You poke into your forehead, frown lines, etc. Fillers, on the, on the other hand, they're volumizers. So they can work to, again, volumize, enhance your proportions. You know, if, he's, if a guy wants a wider, uh, thicker jawline or um, girl wants more volumized, plumper lips. That's how they work. So one works on muscle, one works on your tissue essentially. Yeah. So is that actually preventative? Like is yes. Botox the one that you want to get to avoid the wrinkles and how effective is that? Yeah. So when we're around 25, we begin to lose our collagen production. We, oh. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so sad. That's when I got my first Botox treatment. Yeah, prevention is really good because over time, our skin loses elasticity, we lose bone mass, and our fat kind of sags on our skin. So prevention in terms of Botox and wrinkles. So when you're younger, you know, you have lots of muscle movement and you're like raising your eyebrows, frowning. Um, so as you get older, your muscles become more hyperactive in terms of your expressions. So expressing when you're 12 years old versus 25 versus 60 years old, they all look completely different because your skin is less elastic and it's becoming, you know, the expressions become more apparent as you go on later in life. But in terms of prevention and using like Botox, then your expressions become less and less. And then you don't have that contraction of the muscles that form the wrinkles. So it's kind of like having a piece of paper. You keep folding and folding and folding. The more you fold it, the more you contract it like a muscle, the more wrinkles and folds it's going to get. And it's going to be harder later in life to prevent those wrinkles because they're so deeply formed already that you need more surgical options at that point. So in terms of prevention, it's, it's way better to do it now in a less expensive way, you know, over time, just your regular treatments rather than, you know, you're 60, 50 years old and you need, you know, a face and neck lift at that point. So that's why. So, so could you theoretically just take these injections and essentially, avoid the entire aging process on your face or is it always going to wear down and this just kind of slows the process? There's yeah, there's no way to prevent aging. Ultimately we all get older. It's, it's all going to happen, but in terms of slowing down the process, absolutely. Um, and even maintaining at a certain age in your thirties and forties, it's better to kind of maintain than to, you know, just kind of hit that exponential slope where you're just, there's no turning back now. You're full on aging. And what do you say to someone if they challenge you that putting toxins in your body is not healthy? Because this, you're mm -hmm. trying to say this is like a preventative health measure, but are there any like negative implications of doing it? Yeah, we need you to debunk some of the myths out there. <laughs> Lots <laughs> exactly. to be debunked. Absolutely. So 
yeah, someone that says it's unhealthy, it's, I mean, it's very manufactured product, of course. Um, to each their own, really, you know, everyone's going to have their opinions on something, on anything these days. And they're going to make sure you know. So, yeah, it's, it wears off. It, your body naturally breaks it down, just like any other thing. If you're eating, you know, Cheetos, like, what about all the toxins in there? Your body's eventually going to break it down and excrete it. So, honestly, I just ignore those people. <laughs> I know. I find it interesting. Um, I always remember one time because Travis's girlfriend, Lisa, and I both got Botox around the same time. And we were talking about it. And both Garth and Travis were like, you guys have Botox? But they were like, so, like, I remember Garth being like, oh, like, you, I'm so lucky. Like, you're so natural. Like, you don't have any kind of thing. And I was like, uh, little do you know, my whole forehead is frozen. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just like so interesting, this like kind of stigma around like that kind of like fake look and stuff where it's like a lot of people probably have it and like no one has any idea, you know what I mean? So kind of tying into that, like how you mentioned about like the Kardashians and stuff, like do you find they are kind of helping the medical aesthetic industry or is it kind of hurting it because they're like so extreme? I mean, a little bit of both, I guess. It kind of, you know ignited the whole injectable industry. Um, but now there's this stigma that you're going to look overfilled and like, you know, Kylie Jenner's lips, like don't give me Kylie Jenner's lips or anything like that. But there is, you know, I'm trying to make a new wave of aesthetics to be natural and just unique to each own features. Um, because yeah, the media is just, it just shows the worst of the worst. And it can really scare people off because, you know, you know, getting Botox done like every three to four months, that's just like exactly like getting your hair done. You know, you want to look good, feel good about yourself. You get your nails done. It's exactly like that. You just go in for a 15 minute, you know, a couple little pokes in your forehead. You're done. You know, you just want to stay young, refreshed and keep the wrinkles away. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just there's a, such a stigma with, you know getting Botox and that person is just completely vain. You know, they, they just, you know, ah, it just makes me so frustrated because there's just so much more to aesthetics than even I thought going into aesthetics, you just have this, you know, notion that it's just for vain people and, you know, it just makes you look fake, but it doesn't have to make you look fake. You look the exact same, just happier refreshed and I think that's amazing because everyone wants to feel good about themselves and have confidence and people deserve that and yeah it's just mind-blowing that people think that you know getting lip filler or you know chin filler chin filler that it's going to make you look completely different but it just it can just balance your proportions out a little bit and just like a little bit here and there can really just change your look and just the way you feel about yourself. So even, and it's just not for girls too. It's for guys, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to meet a bunch of people that have Botox. Oh, Everyone really? has it these days. Yeah. No, there's a, it's crazy that the amount of men coming in and even men, husbands coming in with their wives, it's just like a duo appointment. It's pretty cool. Cause, and it's funny, they have no idea really what they're getting into. They just kind of go in and, you know, they're like, I don't want to look fake. I don't want to look frozen. It's just, no, it's not like that at all. You will look, you know, awake, refreshed, less tired, less angry all the time and just live your best life. Like, why not? Oh, yeah. I love to Like, I'm a big advocate for it's like, if it makes like you feel good, then mm -hmm. like go for it kind of thing. So it's like, if you're getting like, filler or Botox or lip injection or anything like that to like impress like an ex-boyfriend or a coworker or like something like that, then I feel like you're doing it for the wrong reason. But if you're doing it, totally. like make yourself feel good and confident, then I'm like, go for it. I'll like fill her up. Let's go. The more Let's married go. kind of thing. So yeah. I definitely am like on the same page with you there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, there's actually been studies about the correlation between um, Botox and depression, actually, 
Because if you think about it, when you're making those negative expressions, you naturally frown, just have that sad face look to you. And those expressions are exactly correlated with the negative emotions you feel, depression, anxiety. So yeah, there was studies going on about people who, you know, suffer from mild depression, anxiety, getting these neuromodulator treatments. And the less you're able to make those negative expressions, the eventually kind of happier they felt. So it's pretty interesting to know that, you know, when you have a happy expressed face, you feel it too. So, you know, for a lot of people, I think that that think that, you know, Botox fillers are just make you look fake. It's so much more to that. It's just, you know, it can really change someone's way of life too. Yeah, you're really selling me on it. I, I <laughs> yes. want to say, like, I can tell that you've given this pitch before like when people ask you all these questions, obviously, and you've probably done it hundreds of times. But it's interesting to hear your perspective. And I agree with everything you're saying with one caveat. Mm-hmm. And that's that I think a lot of women kind of go too far and get like oh, their lips totally. are just totally blown out. And I wonder where that pressure comes from because a lot of girls seem to think that that looks great and they're impressing other girls that are like, oh, I love your lips. But I've never heard a man ever in my life say, I love a woman with big, plump lips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting because like, if you're looking at yourself in the mirror, that's you're seeing yourself essentially in a 2D image. You can't see you know, your actual... Sh- the shape of your face and the way it reflects in the light. And you just see yourself in one way only pictures are in the 2d image. So a physician, you know, having a console with you and you want more lip filler. Let's just say that happens. And, you know, you've already have a few syringes in your lips and, but from your perspective, it looks a lot different from what they see. So a lot of part of aesthetics is, trying to, you know, make someone happy, but at the same time, really, you know, we study like golden proportions essentially for someone's face. So if someone's has comes in and they're just completely overfilled, what do you do? What do you say to them? So one, you can focus on other, you know, beautiful aspects of them. Be like, you're, you have such beautiful eyes. You have such beautiful cheeks. I really don't think you need this because essentially that person at the end of the day is, you know, they're never going to be happy. That person is just never going to be happy with ever, whatever they get treated with. So you kind of have to gently say no and kind of turn them away because you don't want to deal with that patient more and more because that's just more stress to you. And yeah, people just don't really get it because yeah, we study, you know, beauty and golden proportions and people don't really know. They just kind of see edited images on Instagram and other social media platforms. Like, you know, everyone's face tuning their photos. Everyone's making this bigger, this smaller, smoother, you know, whiter. I don't even know. It's just nothing in the media is real at all. So a lot of people get, you know, these wrong ideas about what is actually beautiful And if, you know, even I got my lips dissolved because I thought that my lips were getting, you know, too big and I really wanted to promote the natural look and, you know, just if if you want a little bit in there, totally fine. Just like plump it up a little bit. But yeah, no, people just, it's really hard. But I do think the trend for, you know, bigger lips is going to go down. It's just, you know, with the Kardashians and influencers, they just have these overfilled features and people naturally think that's what's in. That's what I should have. But yeah, trends come and go and, but the natural look will always be in. So that's what you just have to promote as an injector and just, you know, you know what is best at the end of the day for the patient and for your own business. So yeah, you just, you just have to say no and just tell them like, I think that maybe we should dissolve and just start new again and just kind of, yeah, 
it's a it's a tough one that's a for sure <laughs> so when you say dissolved mm-hmm. what does that mean totally so hyaluronic acid is what is the main component of fillers there are permanent fillers but for the sake of the fillers we're talking about today yeah fillers can be dissolved so that is nice because with facial expressions we move our faces a lot so say a girl has a injections in her mouth and her lips and you know if if you think about it the mouth is we eat with it we talk we laugh all the time filler can actually migrate to above your lip and to you know the surrounding structures a little bit so it can make you look kind of funny like a little bit duck shaped Mm. and yeah so yeah there is an antidote to dissolve the filler which is really great because some injectors are not that good and they have horrible work or filler just will migrate over time. So it's always good to have a dissolving agent. It's very important, especially because also there is a big risk with getting filler. You know, you're injecting a needle and a a gel-like substance into someone's face. So if you get that substance into a vessel or artery, that person can have tissue necrosis or tissue death and or even blindness. So again, going back to, you know, the nursing journey, uh, you really have to know your anatomy that way. But yeah, the filler dissolving is really important, especially you'll notice it right away when a vessel will be occluded because you'll just get white patches and you'll get some pain. So having that dissolving agent on hand is very important. And I'm assuming it just dissolves into the rest of your body. Yeah, your body will just naturally just excrete it in your lymphatic system. Yeah. I remember going when I had a little tiny bit of lip filler. And he's like, you got to really massage it like the next day or else it's just going to go everywhere. And I was like, oh, my God. So I'm like sitting there like like, going crazy. Yeah. He said to massage it, it's going to go everywhere? Yeah, he was like, make sure oh, that's you move your lips around. And I was like, okay. Isn't that how you would push it everywhere is by massaging I don't know. He lips? said like he like, it was weird. He like massaged my lips and like, and then he showed me how to do it myself. Yes. After getting injections, usually massage it, massage it just to get any like lumps out. But I don't know what he was talking about when you had to do it to prevent it going everywhere. Oh I was so scared. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have like over here or like something. Oh, no. I'm so paranoid, but it was okay. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, that's another thing. You know, some physicians and nurses can really scare you into as injectables too because, I don't know, just like that. I'm like, I've never heard of that before, but... Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I find it interesting too. Like, um, we're talking about the social media aspect of things. I don't know if you both mm-hmm. of you guys have seen that photo that's been going around about Khloe Kardashian. And an unedited photo was uploaded of her. And yeah. like, they are going crazy trying to like erase it from <laughs> the internet, from history. <laughs> I'm just like, Like, it just is so sad. I'm like, why not promote this? And it's like, you're beautiful this way and you're beautiful this way. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just, like, so interesting that, like, the science behind them, like, not, like, ever having an unedited photo of themselves released. And, like, that is just crazy to me. Yeah, they really control what is put out there. And it's it's insane because... If you you probably saw... I've never seen them in person, but I can bet you $1,000, like, it's... Not what you see at all, which is sad because, you know, growing up, we didn't have social media and thank God, because I would be a disaster, like mentally (laughs) and probably look horrible because there's just so much pressure to just fit in and stay with trends and, you know, be beautiful and, you know, change your look because you'll never be happy. And like, thank God we didn't have that because... Yeah, it would have been bad. And I can't imagine what kids these days are going through mentally and just, it's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. We kind of touched on that as well with Alex when we did his interview about growing up, like when we were younger, not having social media and then like 
getting into like our teenage years when it was mm-hmm. starting to become like super prevalent. And we were all like, we all were kind of in the same boat as you there where we were like, thank goodness. Yeah. And it definitely <laughs> makes a huge effect. Like you look at teenagers now, I'm like, I'm like, where was your awkward phase? Yeah. I'm like, like, I had like 16 years of awkwardness and now they look older than me. I'm like, how does this even happen? It's crazy. Even like the pressures, like, I know I was like going to a restaurant for the first time and like, I'm like, I'm so out of the loop. Like I'm a mom. I've been on maternity leave for like two years in a row. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I don't know what's trendy with kids. And I was just like so paranoid i'm like oh my gosh all these little 18 year olds are gonna judge me and it's just like so <laughs> nerve-wracking yeah um, so oh man yeah I, I can't keep up with those people i don't know i try not to go on social media as much as i can because it's part of the job description but man kids these days so how do you navigate that? Because you you need social media to run your business. Like I think mm-hmm. any health and wellness thing is going to entirely be focused marketing-wise on social media. And you say you don't want to be on social media, but you're almost like a quasi-celebrity on social media by my normal group of friends standard oh where you goodness. have, I don't know how many followers you have, but like, how do you navigate that? Because I'm, I'm struggling to do that for our podcast is now we have to get on social media and that's how you market yourself. So how do you find that balance? Oh, man. Well, you know, the social media following be- kind of rose because I was really involved with social media, you know, like five, four years ago. And, you know, social media just kind of highlights, you know, the highlights of life essentially. And it's not really the, it's not the everyday um, growing your social media. I think it, my social media, I think it just became really prevalent with the Calgary flames and, you know, Calgary flames are such a big, you know, part of Calgary essentially. And, you know, being ice crew, whatever, it's quite exclusive and cool. And you get to skate by the players, like, even though it's not that cool, but yeah, I think that, it kind of grew that way and just really kind of throwing yourself out there, you know, and kind of just, you know, risky photos every now and then people just like, they, I don't know, social media in that aspect, people just are glued to their screens and they just want to keep watching that and watching people come up with content like that in a kind of a creepy way. Um, But I've definitely, you know, learned to, just take social media just as a tool for, you know, marketing and business and branding yourself and in a positive light rather than, you know, just for likes and, you know, follows essentially. Cause I think that social media is just very gruesome. And I think that, uh, social media, I'm just, I don't know. I have a lot of projects and you know not just with my own nursing injecting brand but I'm working on other things too for um my medical director that I'm uh, working with and we have a lot of projects in terms of um expanding the courses that I learned at he took me on essentially and was like build my brand um let's do this let's go uh, teach this thing internationally, not just in Canada. So yeah, it's been, it's been busy and being on social media, it takes way too much of my time. I don't want to see it. There's nothing interesting anymore, especially during, I guess, COVID. It's been really like the same thing every day. Just there's nothing interesting. It's just a time waster and I hate wasting time. So I'm like, I have too much to do. Like, and I got a dog now and it's just like, I don't have time for this. So I'm on social media as less as possible. If I'm on it, it's pretty much either taking a photo of my dog and just showing it to people or just my nurse injecting. And that's really it. So I'm glad that you brought up being a a Calgary Flames ice girl, um, because that I think is a super interesting part. And you mentioned it helped grow your social media brand. So how did that actually unfold? How did you become an ice girl? Well, I guess... My uncle is one of the owners of the Flames, so that helps. you know, growing up, yeah, definitely helps. Um, grade four, you know, seeing these 
going to the games, seeing these girls like at such a young age. And I thought they were so cool. And like, and the Calgary Flames were like, like my all time favorite team and will be forever. And just seeing, you know, Drew McGinley, Mika Kipisov, like on the ice. I'm like, these girls skating with them. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's the coolest thing because like I've been playing ringette since I was grade four. I'm like, one day that's going to be me. I'm going to be on the ice with like all my favorite players. So yeah. And then my aunt married, uh, one of the the owners and I'm like, I need this gig, please help me. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> this is my 10th year as a ice girl, my last year, but yeah. This is your last year? Yeah. It's, Do uh, they <laughs> require newer models? <laughs> is there a time limit? Oh my gosh. Well, Kate, actually in 2019, I was like, this is my last year. I'm done because the girls that they hire now are like, 18 i'm like i don't know how to socialize with these people mm-hmm. anymore i don't know what you guys talk about like you're in begin you just got out of high school and you're just like living life and i'm just like in nursing or whatever i was doing at the time like i can't relate to you guys so yeah 2019 i'm like okay i just want to watch the game for once because i've never actually gone to a game in years and just you know sat down have a beer and just enjoy the environment of the calgary flames without working for them so yeah then COVID happened and uh, that kind of stopped really fast so the season didn't really end how I envisioned it for my last year so I'm like all right I guess we gotta finish off another year and just try again but yeah working with the Flames now it's very different because there's no fans it just feels like you're watching a Calgary Flames practice essentially but plus is that there's no traffic after before and after the game so you're home real quick because usually take me like an hour to get home on regular scheduled games so that was a not so fun part so what is your responsibilities as the ice girl like most people only see it myself included where you know in the intermissions they come out and they do the ice cleaning and that's all we see like what else do you need to do as part of this role (laughs) honestly not so much um not really. Well, yeah, we have the nine intermission times where we go and skate, clean the ice during the TV timeouts. Um, during the actual intermission times, we uh, fix the board signs, clean the glass, little things like that. Uh, other than that, as essentially representing the brand, it's not much <laughs> at all. It's a very chill job, but I mean, I've met all my closest friends from there. And now I literally just go to the games just to have that social interaction with my friends. So yeah, it's not even about, I don't even watch the games anymore, but I just go to hang out with my friends. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so did you find it like weird? Like, cause like the planes are a big deal here, obviously. Um, like if you would like go out places, would people recognize you? They're like, are you a Flames girl? Like, would you get that recognition by from people when you would go places? I guess back in the day, maybe once or twice going out. Like, hey, you're the girl. You're that. You're the blonde girl. I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, you are. We know. We know who you are. Um, but yeah, back in the day, I guess it was a bit more like that. Now, now, no, I don't even go out anymore. So yeah. where, where is there to go? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I found like, because I worked at Repsol and it was like, mm-hmm. we go to the bar when we were like young and the guys be like, hey, you're the Repsol chicks. And it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You're lurking a little bit too hard here. <laughs> like, what's yeah, going no. on? So. I mean, compliment or creepy? you decide yeah <laughs> but exactly yeah anyways flames have been great flames have been great it's a free you get paid to watch the game so can't complain <laughs> it's a pretty sweet gig so yeah. how how could young aspiring attractive females try and get into this role in the future because i'm assuming yeah. i don't have a shot <laughs> oh actually you probably do they have a whole guy side of the ice crew 
but people don't pay any attention to those. I don't I don't imagine any of them are getting stopped at a restaurant and saying, "Oh, you're the guy that sweeps up the ice." <laughs> you know what? Maybe you could maybe you'd be the first, Travis. Yeah. I could yeah, I could start the you're trend. Set in like, the you're the guy. Yeah. You're like, the shovel. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, mostly for, you know, Calgary Flames, they want you to have a background in hockey or ringette essentially to you know, all of us have played many years of ring it or hockey because there have been girls that have, you know, signed up, come for our ice tryouts and it's not so good when you see them skate and they can't even stop. And that's a big requirement. <laughs> so yeah, like go hard, play ring it, play hockey and then sign up because there's going to be a lot of us leaving soon. So we need some spots to fill. You heard it here first, people, on the Hot Takes podcast. Get going. Training. <laughs> we got some retirees coming out here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you have to give you some credit that all of the, the skaters in the ice crew are phenomenal skaters. And oh, that yes. It's good that they have that standard, that they're not putting people out there that, that can't stop, as entertaining as that would be. Yeah, well, you've seen, like, I don't know, there's some American teams with ice crews and you see the girls skates and they're in figure skates and you know, it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's a little rookie, rookie league out there, but <laughs> it is what it is. They, they hire as they please. So yeah, flames have been good though. Flames have been really good. So you mentioned that you were like watching these games as a kid mm-hmm. and playing ringette at the time. And then you see yourself moving into the role of an ice girl whereas i think with most most boys growing up watching the game like they obviously want to be on the ice playing hockey so do you think that's because there's no market for ringette that you kind of see this alternative pathway that you would like to see yourself in um i mean i don't know i think they're two separate entities really because i want to be with the flames ice crew because I idolized the flames pretty much and you know, the the players and they're like my, my heroes at the time. Um, But ringette. Yeah. It's hard because it's a girl dominated, dominated sport. And until, you know, boys and men kind of join and make their own league, it's not going to be in the Olympics ever. Um, You know, there are some guys that do it, but they kind of just end up in the goalie position and, they're not really playing because, you know, ring out for one, you can't hit, you can't do this and that. But I don't know. It's it's tough because, yeah, I would love to see ring out become a big sport because it has so much potential. It's so cool. I mean, I personally think it's better than women's hockey because there's a little bit more finesse to it. Um, and ring out people definitely turn out to be stronger skaters because you're not really thinking about um stick handling as much it's just mostly skating and just yeah but maybe one day fingers crossed now i remember going to like your ring at game in high mm-hmm. school and being like holy cow they move so fast i just remember like i can barely skate like i like a bambi out on the ice and like seeing you guys like move and like stick those sticks in the little ring and i was just like holy crap <laughs> This is wild. Like, yeah. And just being like so impressed with like the athleticism it took, like timing, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a great skill. Yeah, every Canadian needs to be able to skate. So gotta, you got to get there, Brittany. Oh, <laughs> Take I'm, your kids. I'm trying. Learn with them. That's what I'm like, great. I'm going to beat can. you real fast. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Did you ever play hockey, yeah. Bryn? I tried. I tried to switch over just because obviously you knew there's more opportunities with hockey, but it was hard because I couldn't stick handle for the life of me. I could skate way better than everyone playing hockey there, but the stick handling was, it was so hard because I'm skating faster than my hands are essentially working. So I, I mean, I tried, but it didn't work out. I'm, I'm sticking to what I know best. And I have all my the best of friends there too. So didn't want to leave them, of course. And are you able to still play ringette as an adult? Because it, you say it doesn't have hitting. So I assume you could just keep playing that into your 50s or 60s. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I play in a open ladies league, I guess you would say. Um, 
But the girls that and women that we play now, lots of them are ex-Team Canada players. They're like, these are the ladies that essentially started Ringette when Ringette first just started and they were just growing up. So they're so good. They have, they're so efficient in the way they skate and the way they pass and stab the ring and just like move around as a team. Um, so they're so hard to play against. Like I've been playing for 17 years now, probably. And they got another like 20, 30 years on me. Like they're like, yeah, fifties and they're like, they're nutty. They're just crazy good. But yeah, it's still, it's pretty cool to be, you know, still be able to play and, uh, play with all my old friends still kind of growing up that, you know, we decided to make our own team because, um, the league that is in we have now it's pretty limited we we play against like ufc um mount royal lethbridge team university teams and there's not really much else unless you actually make your own team and join the league so but we're really good so <laughs> and do these ladies still have that same competitiveness oh my gosh. or does that dissipate yeah, no, I think our team is like has a really good balance between still wanting to be competitive and, you know, we don't practice, we just play games, but we've just come from, we've all come from the very competitive backgrounds of Ringette. So we still have that drive to win, not just like play just for shits, but, you know, it's, it's nice because, yeah, the league that we play now, they're all university girls, they want to win. And so we can't, we have to still keep up with them. And the ex-ladies from Team Canada, it's all they know is winning. So they are just, you know, way too good for anyone. We've got to keep up with them too. So it's a really good balance between competitive and, you know, just having fun and not being pressured to win. You just play because you want to play. So, yeah, it's been – it's great. Yeah, I always get so afraid of recreational sports. Brittany, we played rugby. I know, but I'm like such a baby now. Like, it's not even funny. I'm like, oh my God. Delicate. My friend (laughs) Molly was like, you should come join my soccer team. And she's like showing me some videos and stuff. And I'm like, I would die. Like, I would be like this scared little, like, oh my gosh. So, I've seen you. I've seen you play rugby. You. You have a beast in you, so it just wings come out. (laughs) It's like very deep flowers growing all over it. Like (laughs) it's like the dust is settled. (laughs) Well, it's there. It's there. It's there. I like maybe one day. Yeah. I just have one last thing I wanted to end on. Uh, thank you so much for doing this interview. This was great, Bryn. Um, Yeah, I'm really nervous, but you know, I'm doing my best. You're doing great. One more thing I wanted to get you out on since you're a professional in the space. So I recently started a skincare routine and I wanted to get, and it's literally just washing my face and putting on lotion. And that's something that was very new to me and is new to most males, especially our age. Oh, So I was curious, what would you recommend as like the best simple skin routine, mostly like aimed at men that don't do anything? Totally. Um, so yeah, what I would just ask like what your concerns are really with your skin or like what you want to improve on. I'm a lot more concerned after our conversation today <laughs> that my longevity is not there. <laughs> no. You... I'm past this 25-year-old threshold. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the down, the, the decline now. <laughs> You're on the decline. Your prime um, days are gone. Yeah. So just in terms of just, you know, looking younger, looking refreshed and just keeping, you know, your 25 year old self, essentially, I would just, you know, just make sure to just, yeah, just wash your face, you know, with something that's actually for your face. I know a lot of males, they just use those bars of soap. (laughs) That's enough. So that is a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Why is that a problem? Because that is something that I think is very common amongst men, especially. Yeah. Like, Compared from your skin from your hands and your face are very different, you know. um, Bars of soap can really dry your skin out and having really dry skin, it can actually make you look older than you actually are. And there's a lot of other um, cleaning products and ingredients that are really harsh on your face too. So that having those two things, um, that's not really (laughs) 
so good for your face. You want something a little more gentler and something that's actually targeted for, you know, having clear skin or, um, you know, less acne, whatever, wherever you kind of are in your skin journey. Um, and then, yeah, moisturizing is very important, um, especially in Calgary. We're pretty much in a desert climate and with harsh winds and snow and cold, it can really dry out our skin and make it the texture really off and crackly and I don't know, all the nasty stuff um, and SPF. So having just a good, you know, cleaning and exfoliant to wipe away the dead cells, skin cells, the moisturizer and SPF, that's kind of like the basics of all you really need. Um, eventually, yeah, you can kind of delve into more special targeted treatments if you're focused on brightening or um, skin pigmentation, that kind of thing. But for the basics of the basics, that's all you really need. The sun is horrible for our skin. Horrible. Well, thank you so much, Brian. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's injectables are not just for cosmetic purposes, too. There's so many therapeutic benefits to like Botox. Like if you sweat a lot, male or female, this like getting Botox in your underarms can be life changing. You don't have to worry about, you know, those midday sweats or sweating through the your favorite gray shirt or, you know, if you, you know, food, hormones, anything can try to trigger sweating. You know, if you suffer from migraines, that can be a really big one. I know a lot of people in Calgary with all our weather changes it's just trigger after trigger so getting my migraine treatment can be really beneficial if you clench your jaw a lot that can also really trigger you know more headaches and just you know teeth chipping and just jaw pain in general so you can get botox in your jaw there's so much out there like we could chat for like another like two hours on different treatments you can get it's just you know doing your research and just kind of starting with what bothers you. And then you just go from there, go on for a consult. Most consults these days are completely free. Go to a few people, you know, get opinions on different people and see what they say, what they recommend. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a big world of medical aesthetics. And a lot of people just kind of see it as overfilled, fake, frozen, but it's, it's not even like that at all. It's very, it can be life-changing for people. So, yeah. Is there anything you'd say people should steer clear of or that you would never touch, for example, in, in the aesthetics industry? I mean, yeah, there are, like, for fillers, for example, there are probably, I don't know, 30 different brands across the world. There's probably, like, hundreds of different products by now. But, you know, you really have to do your research because there's only certain brands, certain products that are um, reviewed, peer reviewed, and they have a lot of research behind them um, and less side effects because there's a lot of products that are people want that are just cheaper, but they're not studied at all behind. So they can lead to a lot of problems down the road, lots of more sensitivities to these fillers like you want to know what's going into your face it's very important then especially as a nurse or like an injector in general just to educate someone you know all about the procedure what to expect expectations are so important um, a lot of people have certain expectations like Botox will make you look 50 years younger or you know make you look like Bella Hadid or something like that and it's just you have to know like expectations are huge and just education in general, what to expect after your treatment, before your treatment, during your treatment. It's, it's a big thing. And, you know, it covers you too, because as an injector, if you don't say something or you don't say, you know, post-care, people will come back and they can really, they can sue you and you you can get a lot in, in trouble with your license and so many different things. So, Yeah. It's a, big, it's a big world out there of aesthetics, I'll tell you that. Oh, for sure. And it just keeps on growing, which is was so mm -hmm. great. And mm -hmm. I feel like the more it grows, the more information that's out there. And then hopefully, like, people won't be making yeah. these drastic, yeah. um, like, mistakes or anything like that that causes, like, these issues mm -hmm. or side effects mm -hmm. from anything. So, 
hopefully it'll just keep on yeah. going up. And like not and not everyone can get injections either. Like pregnant breastfeeding women, those are absolute contraindications to fillers in general. There's no research behind that it is safe at all. So we just say no completely. So yeah, there are there there are benefits and there are a lot of downsides. Yeah, we can up. go on. Like we could do a part two. Like there's yeah. so much to talk about. <laughs> We're going to get a lot of fan questions after yeah, this. Honestly. Oh, yeah. Bring you back for, for part two. It's probably just going to be about the Calgary Flames. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bryn, where can people reach you? If they're looking to find out more information or maybe book a consultation with you or anything, what's the best kind of method? Yeah, my, probably my Instagram. I know everyone loves social media so much. Um, Instagram is nurseinjector.bryn, B-R-Y-N-N. Reach me, DM me. I'm totally available to talk about anything. Be good. Let's chat. Let's chat. You heard it here. Hot takes pop. 